Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport, the record book. You're welcome along to the very first edition of the Record Book Podcast. I'm Danny Kelly, and alongside me for this first show of its kind, I'd like to say to TalkSport's international editor, broadcaster, podcast master as well, Tom Rennie is with us. Hi, Tom. What a great title. What Thank a, you very much. Oh, absolutely phony baloney, your selection of titles. Thank and you, you gave me the, the, the billing ahead of our more premier guest as well, which is fantastic. Ah, well, oh, we're bill- we started at the bottom. Oh, sorry, working, I didn't know it was you. Working upwards, also with us, and uh, fresh from watching... Um, Manchester United and Chelsea uh, for the TalkSport Network, a former Scotland centre forward. Won't go through all of his clubs because we're going to hear his bias towards one of them later on when we discuss VAR. It's Chris Awellamo. Hi, Chris. How are we? Really good. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Let me take 30 seconds of your valuable time to explain how this podcast is going to work. Um, It's multi-platform, by which I mean to say it's out there um, as a podcast. I'll tell you, I can get it later. It's also going to be a a radio programme. You can hear it on TalkSport 2 on Monday evening. Um, and, of course, it's going to be a scrapbook, an old-fashioned scrapbook. That's where the record book comes from. Over the course of the next 45 or 50 minutes or so, myself and Tom and Chris will decide who's been the best performer of the week, who has been the worst performer of the week, who's been the hero of the week, who's been the dolt of the week, and all the rest of it. And then we will put their pictures and Chris's autograph into an actual scrapbook. We'll have decisions for all of this. And over the season... That will build into a massive compendium and immortal record of what's happened in the English Premier League. Um, If it sounds ridiculous, then it is. But I guarantee within about three or four months, you'll get used to the idea (laughs) and you'll say, what a great idea that was. Welcome to the very first record book podcast with me, Danny Kelly, Tom Rennie and Chris Awellamo. One by Gundu in midfield, sends it on towards Foden, then on to Sterling. Sterling to complete the hat-trick, and he does. And Manchester City hit five on the opening day of the season. Raheem Sterling hits a hat-trick. If you judge the result, you can write one sentence or two sentences in new papers on your radio. And that's all. If you analyse the game, so we can do better. Mope go around Ben Foster with an empty net. Makes it three. 3-0 to Brighton. Graham Potter works his magic. Here's a long ball forward. It's Rashford for three. And he's stuck it in beautifully. Marcus Rashford has surely put the game beyond Frank Lampard's Chelsea. We're going to start with the uh, best performances of the weekend. And because, according to Tom Rennie, at least, Chris, and I, I, I could regard myself as a broadcast legend, you're the important name here. Who do you want to pick as the best performance of the weekend? Well, I had the pleasure of doing uh, Manchester United-Chelsea today uh, and I think that's a, 
a statement from United uh, with a manager who's who's under a lot of pressure. You know, I think uh, one of the bookies' favourite to be the first to go, and his players. Done the, the, gave him the, the, the performance that he asked for. We'll give you a chance to back that up in just a second. I want to get the fighters into the... Oh, it's, how can it be? There's three fighters. It's not a ring. It's some kind of quadrant. Into kind of the rough book before we break in the proper book for the <laughs> yeah. exam. Yeah, that course. kind of thing. Oh, the runners-up won't get to The great thing about the record book that one day will be a prize or we'll give it to the National Library so people can come and admire it is that there'll be no runners-up. This is sport. There's yes, the winner and all the rest of you stood there in the dark crying. Who's your performance of the week? It was tough. Uh, it was tough to pick somebody, but I was uh, working on the Liverpool game on Friday night and going into that game, everyone was saying, will they be able to, having bought nobody of worth in the summer, will they be able to live up to the billing of championship contenders, the reigning European champions? And they swatted Norwich City away <laughs> like an errant canary. Yeah, and Give it a right smashing by I four don't, goals I don't to want to, to, to presage the actual <clears throat> argument. I'll just say... Norwich City. They are said it. Um, my uh, idea of the Premier, the best performers in the Premier League this weekend is Brighton and Hove Albion. Um, mm. They went to Watford. They absolutely tanked Watford 3 0. They got everything the manager would want. And Neil Mopay's goal particularly helped them out there. And all I'll say about that is in the Premier League currently, you only need 36 points to stay up. They've got 8% of all the points they're going to need away from home. And last year, they couldn't get. I don't want to say what they couldn't get away from home, but it rhymes um, with the word hit. They couldn't get anything <laughs> away from home. All right, then. Uh, Chris Wellamo is brought in here and I'm told, oh, he'll be interesting and controversial. And he's chosen Manchester United, everyone's favourite, as the performance of the week. Well, Justify yourself, Wellamo. No, well, everyone's favourite? Is this 1995? I'll have to stop you there because I, I, was, I was looking at Brighton as well until I seen the match today. And I, I just thought the way that it started, Chelsea went, they dominated the ball, had some great chances, a little bit of luck hitting the hitting the post, hitting the, the crossbar. Uh, and after the Rashford goal, and that's something that United have. They have quality there. They've got players that can change a game, turn the game on its head, just with a bit of brilliance. I see you looking at me, Danny, and it's like, a few bits uh, intimidating, but I'll, I'll, I'll carry on. Hang on, you're about six foot nine, and you're being intimidating. Yeah, it's just, uh, you're, you're the professional here. Uh-huh. Uh, but you're the boxer. <laughs> well, that's very true, uh, very true. You may, uh, well, later on, we may squeeze in the fact that Chris Wellamo has added to his already fantastic list of achievements, professional boxer. <laughs> in the same way he squeezes so deliciously into a tank top. Thank you, thank you. Now, are, you are you saying that's too small for him? Uh, we're Instagram pals, uh, yeah. and I would say that I've had to stop my wife looking at my Instagram because too many pictures of a Wellamo come up, and she may well leave me. That's what I'm saying. Bear in mind, she has more than one account, Tom. <laughs> oh, that is true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I need to monitor. I need to monitor. You're absolutely, yeah, absolutely right. right. Marriage tips from Danny Kelly right here on the record. Yeah, my, whose marriage actually lasts seven months back in the day. <laughs> seven whole months. I I used to always feel ashamed about this. Then Mickey Gray, of course, footballer. What He says, hold my beer. He spent a quarter of a million pounds on his footballer wedding, and that marriage lasted three months. Thank you, Mickey. There we go. He's taking a massive load off of my... Uh, my psyche, the dark parts of my psyche. Back onto Manchester. What I will say is, how can it be, and since we're having the argument, how can it be that they had a performance of the week when they weren't even the better team for most of the game? 1 4 0, Danny. And that's what oh, it is. The pros. The blinking <laughs> no, pros. No, it's, all it, about no, the result. It, it's all about the result. It's it that attitude that's ruined football. It's not, only, it's not only scoring four goals, it's keeping a clean sheet. I thought Harry Maguire was outstanding. Chelsea Did you? in the bottom. It's, it's, it's a bit. What about what? the 18 shots that, that Chelsea had on goal, the seven of which were on target? What's Two a great defensive performance? What, what about the, the fact that David what was the score, Tom? What does it, you said that, that, that Harry Maguire put in a good performance. His performance bring, is he, rated he, on the amount of shots that went past him. There were 18 shots that went past him. He brings a cam, you know, on the ball. He's, he's, he's trying to play out. He's winning his headers. You know, he's, he's organising, he's communicating. 
that that he brought the whole team brought the feel good factor back to Old Trafford. You heard the fans, the the atmosphere was excellent, the Olays, you know, and that's something that that can intimidate anyone. And when the and Paul, so the Man Paul, United fans Paul, Paul, enjoyed Paul, the win. Does that make it the best performance of the weekend? Does this go as the first entry into Danny's record book? I'm think, that I they think were utterly outplayed I at one four nil, so it I, goes in. What does that say? What does that say? It says Chelsea can't shoot because they couldn't buy any decent strikers. Also, and even Hazard's gone. I love the English language. We've described. Well, thank you for your uh, for your entrance so far. There, um, the, the Man United fans did go away with the feel good factor. Does that mean that Chelsea's fans went away with a feel bad factor? We never hear about the feel bad factor, and I want to bring the feel bad factor into this program. Um, what miserable level have you on, chosen? Hold on, am I the feel bad factor? Is Not that my yet. role in this group. Yeah, it, that title has yet to be handed out, Tom. Rennie. Um, who you want to? Who are you going for a performance of the week again? I've got to put Liverpool in. I have to because there was a lot of pressure on them coming into this game. I know it was Norwich. I understand it was Norwich, but in fact, I think Norwich City put in a very, very good performance on the night. Very well organised. Tried to attack. Could have scored earlier, uh, and it took uh, a couple of saves from Allison. It took some good defending for Norwich not to have scored early doors. Didn't have as many shots on goal as Chelsea did in their game. Let's put it that way. Uh, but then they came back so strong. The performance of Origi, Firmino, fit for the first. First time looking fantastic up front as he hasn't for a long, long time. And when you think that Sadio Mane wasn't playing as well, who I thought was their best player across the entire piece last season, only just got back in the country, what, Monday with the game on the Friday night. Still had a few minutes in this game because it became a canter by the end. But look, they're the first team to score four or more goals in the first half of a game on match day one since 2006. Nobody does this and they put them to the sword. And we have to, But we have to talk about Norwich City because... Farker came out afterwards and Ooh. said, um, their manager came out afterwards and he said, you know, um, we're going to play the way we want to play. I put it to you that uh, they're going to get minced up like this on a lot of grounds. Norwich will have to win a lot of games 4-3 to stay in the Premier League. Very admirable. Um, and, of course, Sheffield United also fantastically admirable with their centre-halves playing as wingers. Um, I've not seen that before. And good luck to Chris Wilder with it. But I think Liverpool's performance... And they are a fantastic team, aren't they? They're cha- I understand they're champions of Europe. Is that right? I'd heard um, it. Yeah. I can't verify well, it. Course, I'm not sure anyone saw it. Well, of course, you know, well, you know that I didn't see it. Um, because I didn't know this. I, oh, yeah, famously, I settled in with my, with my little box of Pringles and, and my, my beer to watch the Champions League final. The second that penalty was given, I said, Liverpool do not need a bent referee. Um, and it was never a penalty. And I turned the television off. And I swear by my young sister's life, I didn't watch one second of it. I have not watched one second of it. And I will not watch one second of it. Lucky for you, <laughs> as far as I'm the aware, of, the rest of us did watch it. As far and it was as I'm aware, Spurs have still got a chance of being Champions of Europe. You know, keep your fingers crossed. It's going to happen for you. But you, know, you, you. The only thing I'm saying is that Liverpool—they are a fantastic <clears> team, and I, I thought they were incredible last year against a team like Norwich who are, who are I hate the word naive unknown they're, they're, quantity good attacking players they showed in Timu Puki just how impressive they can be in front of goal tremendous finish it was uh, I thought they were very very good in the game Norwich when Dia in midfield was the first time I've seen him play I thought he was creative and excellent his ball to Puki was fantastic they had threats they also had to bring in Adrian as well into this game who's not good enough for West Ham's bench but good enough for Liverpool's first team I don't and they still managed to win I, I mean obviously Puki just because of his name deserves a mention every week here. Make a note, the thousands of people behind the scenes here uh, on the Record Book podcast, uh, dozens of teenagers, many with asymmetric haircuts. We want to mention Pookie every single week. Now, Chris, I'm going to, as I always will do, and you'll find this a lot on this programme, I'm going to contradict what I said five minutes ago when you said the result is all that's important. I said, don't be ridiculous. You've got to play some decent football. Down the bottom of the table, I think the result is all that's important. That's why I think Brighton deserved to be um, the performance of the week. Can we say down the bottom week one? 
Can we talk about a relegation scrap in August? Where do you think Brighton are going to finish? Third? Uh, top of the table, judging by this weekend. Okay. Tell us why. Oh, just, just because... Um, Last year, they struggled in two particular ways. I love Chris Hewton. He was a wonderful player for Tottenham and the Republic of Ireland. I think his time had come to an end there. And the two things that the new manager has got to do um, is to make sure that they are at least competitive away from home, where they've been absolutely useless, and also to convert um, a few of the chances they make. They're not going to make loads of chances. It's just not the way they are. Their team is based around the strength of their centre-backs and having a brilliant goalkeeper. And that's a great thing to have. But Chris never made the leap from defensive stability to turning that thing into not just wins, but even draws. Entertainment. So for, Something uh, you pay to watch. I suspect it won't be doing much entertaining, but uh, Neil Mopé come on, which is what you need. Yeah, big decision. Three yeah. goals away from home for Brighton is an absolute riches, isn't it? Total riches. And as I say, the most important thing is the old adage that you need 40 points to survive in the Premier League. Mm. That's long gone. 36, you might get away with 35. To get three of them on the first yeah. day away from home, and as I say, I did the mathematics, and it's not my strong point, to get 8% of all the points you're going to need in one game. That is monstrous for Brighton. Absolutely monstrous. I think Graham Porter made some big decisions. You know, I think bringing on, obviously, uh, Andone and, and Mopai uh, at 1-0 up, you usually try and close up shop and try and be defensively sound. I think Watford were a pure show. I expected a lot, a yeah. lot more. I think they are one of the teams that can probably do a little bit better than last season and try and progress. But aren't they aren't they victims of what uh, the syndrome where if you end the season badly, murdered in their own in their sleep um, in the cup final, three defeats before that, I think one win in months before that. If you end badly, you tend to start badly the next well, season. You're making my argument even better that the Manchester United because they'd only won one game in the last. But two have they of the ever season. murdered someone in their sleep? That's the real question. <laughs> How many yeah. assassins are there in the team apart from the babyface one? I mean, in the, the manager. Cup final, they huh? were literally murdered in their sleep, weren't that they? That is true. It they was were, they were wandering about and uh, look. They embarrassed themselves in the FA Cup final uh, and they embarrassed themselves against Brighton this weekend. Poor teams a poor team doesn't really matter. Norwich were champions of the championship by some points. They'd won it ages before the end of the season. They're full of confidence, flying and fantastic, with a goal score of natural ability, and Liverpool still slice them up like yesterday's now, butter. Anyone who's been listening to the first 10 minutes of this podcast will know it's obviously an award winner in, in waiting. It's there. Um, everything about it is absolutely brilliant, except we haven't worked out a system whereby we come to a conclusion with these arguments. <laughs> we have to pick someone to go into the record book Um uh, I got. I, I, I will accept a two to one here, like a, a, a judge in the high court. Have <clears throat> anybody changed your opinion, or is it the three of us just saying? Because of course, I will win if if that is right. Mm. Have you changed your opinion, Tom? It doesn't seem likely. No. Before Chris? the game, before the game today, I had Brayton uh, as mine. I, I was I was happy with that. Yeah. Turco. But uh, no, and... I'll, I'll be serious. So I just think that was uh, like I say, two of my old clubs, Brighton and Watford. I think Graham Porter. I used to play with him up at York as well. So I know. Was he well. any good? Potter? He was a good player. Good player. I think he, he walked away from the game. Got a bit of anxiety, didn't he, from the game as well? Oh. So it was. Uh, no, he's a good guy. One of the good ones. Okay. Well, I thought you both made a fantastic case, but because you did consider Brighton, um, uh, and here comes the gavel. I will say. Performance of the week, Brighton and Hove Albion and their 3-0 victory at Watford. <laughs> Subscribe to Game Day, the record book, a podcast with Danny Kelly, out every Monday of the season. Poor clearance from Fabianski, picked up by Mares, who gets it into the area, takes on Diop. I think that might be a penalty. It is a penalty. Diop with a clumsy challenge. Sergio Aguero 
trying to put to bed those missed penalties. He steps up, right-footed, doesn't miss this time, slams it down the middle, and Manchester City lead by four goals to nil. Back here to Stevens, hooks it up looking for Murray, it's over his head, might come here to Gross, though, across, going in! It's an own goal from Decore! I think today we don't, we don't have many excuses. They played better, they scored the first goal, and after uh, we tried, but it was difficult. Worst performance of the weekend. Um, Tom, I'll let you start here, if I may. Yes, well, this was a rogues gallery of sides, but as a West Ham United fan, I had expected more from the Hammers going into the game against Manchester City. I've got to say... But the first 20 minutes, I was almost enthused by the Hammers. They seem to be going up against Man City with an endeavour that is rare for them. But the way they collapsed like a sandcastle in the waves for that last 25 minutes, it was almost like watching the pitiful performance of Watford, the Assassins... (laughs) Uh, the, the assassins, the way they were treated by City. Well, at the, at the risk of repeating myself, I, my worst performance week is Watford um, because, as I say, I think if you end the season badly, and Javi Garcia, of course, is the voice of continuity over there, first time in six years yeah. they started with the same manager they ended the previous season with, that record is not going to last very long with a few more performances like that. And, Chris, you're the professional footballer. It strikes me that if you end the season as poorly as Watford did, I don't really know... Except, you know, it's a clean it's a clean slate and we've all got a new chance and the sun rises again and all that. But in fact, if you're in bad form, you're in bad form. They haven't transformed the team and they, they've they got some good players. Decore is a really good player. Mm. Um, but I, I wonder whether like, there's a hangover from that cup final, even though it's three months ago. Yeah, I, th- I think there can be. I think it's important as a professional that you do learn to switch off and you can get away for the game. So I think uh, they're in good form pre-season. It's about putting that behind you and starting well. They never showed up yesterday. And that was a dis- dis- disappointing thing. So, uh, no, I think as a professional, yeah, no matter how you finish off the season before, you, you try and kind of you wash that off. Who's your choice as the worst performers of well, the weekend? Well, I've got to say, like, like you say, Southampton. You know, I think uh, Ralph mm. Fassen, who done ever so well, kept the team up. And they, the form, they, they, they finished poorly. Uh, last season uh, again away at Burnley probably a game that they're looking at they're looking at to try and get the points the weather did disturb the performance from both teams but it was just individual errors well, you know defending the scoreline suggests that one team was more disturbed by it, than the other by no, the weather exactly. Ashley, more about the weather later Tom Rennie's favourite fixation oh, the weather I love football in the rain it makes me so happy we've got to do that we have to just poor defending all round I think Ashley Barnes he was he was laughing at some of the defending yesterday some great finish no, did you see the bit where Ashley Barnes was waiting in front of Angus Gunn and I think it was Hoiberg for Southampton looked up and he saw Barnes in front of him along the end line his own defensive end line passed directly to Ashley Barnes <laughs> and then Angus Gunn had to pull up a great save to, to stop him scoring didn't you see him he's already scored twice he's the guy in the claret <laughs> yeah. shirt right in front of you it I, was incredible I sometimes think they're so afraid of Ashley Barnes because of the way he plays they actually give the ball to him in case he says anything you know <laughs> um, what I would say about that Southampton were you know they got beat 3-0 but compared to Watford they they weren't that they weren't as bad as Watford I mean it's a, it's a bold thing to say isn't it it's a bold thing to say um, I think that both of them were absolutely horrendous performances uh, very very poor but they didn't get beaten 5-0 at home did they no they didn't and <laughs> we can talk about Manchester City being a great side and, and we can talk about that, that they're going to beat West Ham every single time they play them 
aggregate score of games between West Ham and Man City at London Stadium is 22-1. Well, this is what I was going to say to you, Tom. I mean, look, I'm the older of the people in this room, um, but I'm I'm really not a traditionalist about football. I like the fact that it changes all the time and it's organic and it adapts to society and the media and all the rest of it. Um, But there is a a wonderful feeling of tradition, though, when (laughs) Manchester City go to the Olympic Stadium, whatever the hell they're calling it these days, and give West Ham United... The most severe spanking you but can imagine. Think you, wouldn't, you wouldn't see a spanking like that on a video bought in Wolverstone Market. That's how <laughs> severe it was. Don't you think a lot of these managers now are getting sucked into the brand of football rather than the naivety of making a decision? Like West Ham, Man City come to town. Okay, it's a, a strong West Ham, hmm. but you've got to shut up shop. Play counter-attack football. You Watching the goalkeeper squaring the ball no. to their defenders uh, on their own goal line don't. and with the whole Manchester City team bearing down on them, you just think, you're right. You think, but, but I've seen it again today. What, Manchester United, Chelsea, both playing out from the back when it's not on to play. Daniel Farker playing an open, expansive game against the European champions. And you've you're got, not suggesting... You've got to that, have a plan A, you've got to have a plan B, you've got to have a plan C. Yeah. And you're not suggesting you just belt the ball forward to Oelamo, oh, are you? No, you got to play with a bit of quality. But you no, don't. you want someone to be able to flick it on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rude. Straightforwardly rude from Tom Rennie there. Fact though, isn't it? I think everyone's agreeing with West Ham. I'm enjoying this. Let's keep agreeing with me on it. No, I... I what I, about I, the fact... What about the fact that uh, Issa Diop when uh, Fabianski did that terrible pass out to the fullback, went straight to Mares. Mares ran at him, didn't even drop the shoulder, George Bestar. We just started running left, and Diop took him out. They then saved the penalty, but then Declan Rice is encroaching. Uh, but then if he didn't actually touch the ball, it wouldn't have been retaken. So he knew he was in the area. He might have gone, oh, I've encroached there. He could have left it, but the other defender who was there still cleared it, and there was a retake. We t- we'll talk about VR later on, because I, I had a real cold moment there, because Neil Swalbrick, um, who's one of the three referees who are in charge of how we're going to run uh, VAR, he appeared on Sky Television on Thursday, and I hate to say this about a referee or any official, and I'm writing it down in my own record book, first time ever. Get ready on brilliant. the dump button. Here we he go. Was, no, Cut no, this bit it out. It was brilliant. Okay, leave um, it in. And he was brilliant, and he explained what their aims were, how they intended to achieve it, and, and to, that the ultimate aim is to not destroy the game as we love it. Um, and so one of the things he said was, and of course, things like, you know, the goalkeeper not having a foot on the line, we will not be reviewing that. No. So then Fabianski says the penalty and suddenly it's VAR. I am screaming. <laughs> I mean, I'm at, I'm at a wedding. We'll talk about that a little later on. I am screaming at my phone because I'm watching the game on a phone at the wedding reception saying... What kind no. of wedding guest are you embedding your phone in the hair of the person in front in order to watch it during the ceremony? <laughs> it, was fa- it was a fascinator, did not you, hair. Did I had you have a fascinator. In? Were you listening to the no, game No, no, I was well? only watching. So that's why I thought... Oh no, they're reviewing the blinking goalkeeper's foot. But it wasn't. It turned out that, they, that it wasn't. And I was Do going, you, uh, Debbie, take Phil? It's 5 0, I can't believe it! Well, let me tell you, Kelly. Um, you see, nothing you can say about this wedding can match the one utterly brilliant and remarkable fact about it. Go on. For 11 years, my nephew David has been going out with a lovely lady who he married yesterday. Congratulations. Yes, indeed. And her name, her Christian name, her forename is Kelly. And we have hoped and prayed, cajoled and encouraged them, two of them to get married and for her to take the name of her upcoming husband. And at the exact moment she said, she turned to us all and went, yeah, I'm going to do it. So hello, Mrs. Kelly Kelly. Fantastic. I loved Kelly before the wedding. I love her even more now. She's Kelly Kelly. We're very, very excited uh, about that. And then I got hold of my niece... Um, my sister's daughter, who's called Kelly, and said, 
Kelly, you live in Dublin. There's every chance the person you meet will be called Kelly and you can follow this and we'll have two Kelly Kellys, which I think... I, I, I demand any other family who can match two matching names. We've got one in reality, one in prospect. I don't care if you're called Martin Martin. I've got two Kelly Kellys on the boil. And I'm very pleased. It's not getting the, it's not getting the record book sorted out. This I'm, is like reading Cats 22 with Major, Major, Major. It's very good. I like this. Thank you very much That's indeed. I've a comparison with Joseph Heller already. Thank you very, very much indeed. Um, I can't I can't really go for West Ham for the simple reason, Chris, that Manchester City are so powerful that they're yeah. going to make mincemeat out of several teams this year, aren't they? No, I totally agree with that. I think uh, the way that Man City got, the quality they've got in depth as well, then they, they, they will do. I think you've got to look at VAR as being one of the villains as well. That Dindonka one today, that was an absolute shambles, was it not? He was going to bring this up, wasn't yes. he? Yeah. It's not even the right former, section of the show, and he was going to bring this Former Wolves up. player, Chris Willemou, are very upset about the disallowing of that goal. But I, I feel as if Chris is not understanding the rules, and I don't want to have to explain it like a, a schoolmaster. No, I think he understands the rule, but he doesn't to. agree with it. I just, I, I can't, I, that rule has to be looked at. You know, it's the the game is all about scoring goals and creating chances and entertaining. But not We've basketball. Got nil... <laughs> what? It came off Willie Bolly's arm at the back. His back was through. It was a meeting in the air, Danny. I, I just think they getting. I, I believe they got this right that defenders should not be penalised on a ball hitting them from fifteen feet away. Or sorry, fifteen inches away has been the case in recent years. But offensive goals. What am I talking about? What do we get that word from? Goals scored where there's been a handball or the ball has touched the hand in the move. Just chop them out. Can, can I can I read can I read this to you? Right, oh. I got to read this to you. So this is a is an it Joseph e- Heller. This is an email that came out. Major 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 writes this to uh, Major DeCoverley. Um, IFAB law states that it's hand, a handball offence if a player gains possession slash control of the ball after it has touched their hand slash arm and then scores in the opponent's goal or creates a goal scoring opportunity. It's his arm in the net disallowed. Clear as mud. If the, if, so it's the player that scores the goal if it hits his arm? No, yes. anybody in the move. Anybody in the move. Right. But in this instance, it was the guy who scored. And, and, they, and, and listen, listen, they would not have scored if the ball hadn't hit his arm, however accidentally, because it falls to the strike, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, OK. So have Got you it. changed your mind on that? No, not at all. Okay, not at all. okay. Rule too to big to that. argue with. I, I get that. It wasn't really going to be in this section, but it's, no. it's a free willing kind of show. We it, do what we want. Yeah, we'll, we'll run out of things to say in the latter part of the show. <laughs> it seems to be the problem. Um, does anybody? I mean, uh, look, Watford. I've already made the case. Does anybody really want to argue that the the, the worst result is Southampton's at Burnley because Burnley were one of the favourites. I know you 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 think the league table doesn't justify itself for like eight or nine games. I hope so. Burnley are one of those teams who were favoured, shall we say, to go. Another one of your ex teams, I'm trying to think. Yeah, of Burnley are, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, who were favoured uh, to go down. Fantastic result for them. Definitely. How bad was Southampton then? Or is that a scoreline, a bit like uh, Old Trafford, which doesn't actually reflect the football I match? I think as every manager, you look at probably the first five, six matches and you think we should take points here. We don't. I think Raf Hasenhutl looks at this match and thinks this is where we take we take points. I think they'll be disappointed. And of course, Burnley, I'm delighted for them, but that's a, that's a poor result for Southampton. I'm happy to dig out Southampton because they're another side that had clear problems when they ended last season. What were they? At the back. Mm. And they started at the back with Jan Bednarek, who is not good enough, Jack Stevens, who is not good enough to play in the Premier League, Yannick Vestergaard, who can't turn around without assisted without support. You need to turn him around by putting ropes on his shoulder then pulling him, <laughs> like little people from Lilliput pulling him around to get him around. It's impossible. Jan Valery is not quite good enough to play at the Premier League as far as I'm concerned defensively. Romeo is a tugboat. He can't move. 
And these are all the the most static team. Imagine all the way you're telling it. And so, how'd they concede a goal? Someone bashed one up in the air. They couldn't deal with it. 1 0, game over. Let me ask you a question then. Um, Hassan Hoodle got a great deal of praise at the end of last season for pulling something out of that squad of players. Um, They've not um, very conspicuously augmented the, the group that they have. Quite apart from getting into the first ever record book as the worst performers of the week, which they may well do, do you actually fear for their Premier League future? I, th- I do. You know, you look at like you, you've got to score goals, hardest thing to do in football. You look at Redmond, Daddyings, Che Adams, first uh, first time at this, at this level as well, untried, untested. Where's the goals coming from? Hmm. I, I mean, I'm hopeful for Shea Adams, but that but ten goals might not be enough to keep them in no, this division. No, exactly. They need to they need to be prolific there. Uh, they need goals coming from all over the place as well, and I just can't see it. And they've not def- they're not strengthened defensively either. I think uh, without and Tom, you'll forgive me um, because in fact you gave me this gig. Um, if so far you've not won any of the arguments, but I think it's it's okay to say you. But Your you can... talent got you this gig. No, no, no. I gave myself this gig. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no. You, <laughs> it's a very different category. Your um, your adoration of my work and your fat checkbook got got uh, got this gig for me. Thank you very much indeed. But I think I have to come down. I haven't got a gavel, so I keep hitting it with my mobile phone. So if I'm out of touch for the next couple of days, you'll. I think it has to be Southampton yeah. for the worst performance of the week. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to urge in the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to urge in the Channelized Bingbingus of the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Game Day, the record book. They're not even taking the Premier League seriously. Um, they're still bigging up Billy Sharp. He's League One. Um, he's not good enough for the Premier League. And with the greatest of respect, it's all sentimental bull. It's a short delivery at the end. It's an intelligent delivery. Wonderful chance and the ball has been bundled in. And Sheffield United get their equaliser with two and a half minutes to go. And it is Billy Sharp who fires it in. The club legend, 219 goals now across England's top four divisions. Off the bench, the icon delivers late on. Bournemouth one, Sheffield United one. To be honest, I don't really care what they think. He's never kicked a ball in the Premier League, so that's one more goal I've got than him. And he'll never get that back on me, so he can say what he likes. 
Order, order, gents. Let's get on to it. With so much to do and so very little time here on the Record Book Podcast with me, Danny Kelly, Tom Rennie and Chris Uwellamo. Let me just tell you, you can find it by searching for Game Day on Acast or Apple iTunes, Spotify, any of those extraordinary places you get your podcasts from. It'll also be going out on TalkSport 2 as a programme as well. But uh, time now to pick your Heroes of the Week. Um, amazing list of people that we could choose from. Um, I'll, I'll start because I haven't started before. I mean, uh, Ashley Barnes. Um, I remember my, my family connections on the South Coast. And I can remember seeing Ashley Barnes playing for Eastbourne Borough, um, the better of the three teams in Eastbourne. That's why English football is so mad, isn't it? Eastbourne has three uh, part-time professional football teams. Uh, a long time ago, on loan, uh, Ashley Barnes was playing at that level of English football. And now he is, what you, you have to say, a... A, a, a seasoned Premier League striker. I like the fact that he that he improves every single year um, as a professional footballer, and I love the fact that, with all due respect <coughs> to one of my great heroes, Kevin Davis, he may be the dirtiest forward I've ever seen <laughs> play the game. I'm looking at you as well, Chris. Here, I mean, Ashley really knocks him about, doesn't he? Yep, and yep. and he doesn't, and he makes no apologies for it either. Two centre halves, right? I'll have you two. Um, out now, and it, but that would be rubbish if he wasn't a good striker. He gets better and better and better. So my nomination for one of them, there's many nominations for heroes of the week here, will be Ashley Barnes. Yeah, there is. There's many. Uh, I've got to look at probably Billy Sharp, Sheffield United. What a story! I think yeah, it's a great story. Played at every level, scored goals at every level, bar the Premier League. He gets his Premier League uh, goal, uh, and it gets his team a point. Uh, you got to think, looking at them, Chris Wilder, the way that they're going to play football. They're probably one of the favourites to go down as well, which which is surprising. I think they'll upset a few, definitely. But I'm delighted that they've actually got points on the board as well. Uh, I think again, he knows he's going to play a bit part uh, this season. Obviously, McGoldrick, Robinson, Wallace Burnley coming in for twenty million, but he's still it's all about the team. Uh, and I think Billy Sharp, captain as well last season, I, I believe uh, he's 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 out there and got that that important goal. Goals in all four divisions of, 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 of the football league and the Premier League. I mean, very few in the days when players don't sort of go down the leagues after their powers wane. Very few will be able to say that. It's uh, absolutely fantastic. Can I mention one really brief thing about this? Yes. I was, uh, we were covering the game for our international feed this weekend, and Russell Hargreaves was doing the game. And I've got to mention this because uh, it took until about the 30th or 40th minute for, for Sheffield United to get a corner. And his bizarre line, it was brilliant. He basically said, it's been 12 years and Sheffield United have been waiting for this moment. Mm. Their first corner back in the Premier League. Yeah, the and pro- the whole thing was like it. Everything the was their is, first uh, thing back. Poor old Russ has got the 12 years thing written down and he's <laughs> yeah, going to use it. Used, I've used over four inches of ink to write that down. First Premiership game for 12 years, and I am going to use it. The whole game. First throw in for First 12 years. First yellow card for 12 years in the Premier League. Fantastic. I loved it. I mean, um, I'll, 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 you haven't chosen your... I haven't, because uh, no. there are so many options. Yeah. There are so many potential heroes. Um, should, should, should we not be those guys who don't mention Raheem Sterling just because he plays for the best team in the country? Let's not, not be those guys. No. Raheem Sterling this weekend, uh, he, he was one of the two that I was going to go for. Uh, but yeah. I'll mention Raheem Sterling now because it was another Definitely. phenomenal, phenomenal performance from him. Uh, we did the preview show uh, in midweek. Uh, Sam Matterface and I were doing that. Of course, another one coming out this week in the Game Day series. And uh, we were discussing, I thought Raheem Sterling should play up front. I think he's a centre forward. I think he's fantastic in that role in the way they play. Uh, and Sam is more convinced that he should play on the wing, which was one of the debates. And he was saying that he still doesn't finish every time he gets through on goal. I would show anyone a video of him playing at London Stadium, unless you're a West Ham fan, and watch some of those finishes. The dink finish, one of those goals. The goalkeeper coming out and putting it past him. The different types of finish, different positions, different feet. And he even has the wherewithal when Jesus is 
available to his right, though he was offside, uh, to then play it square and not take the shot. Everything about him says sublime striker to the, me. The only thing I'd say about that, I think if you play Raheem Sterling up top, you're losing a certain dimension of his game. I think playing in a deeper role, the speed that he's got, his movement, that's that that third, that late run into the box is it's, it's you can't you can't defend that. You know the pace of the player, you know what he creates. He's he's clinical now in those positions. A year and a half ago, he's not hitting the back of net as often as as, as he was doing as he's doing now. As soon as you see him in that position, you know it's a goal. I he mean, believes it himself. Manchester City have almost invented a new place on the pitch. It never used to be that that gap between the centre half and the full back was such a big problem. You just move the full back in and they play three or four yards apart. It shouldn't be a problem. Goal after goal, goal yeah. after goal. Manchester City have discovered a way to play into that. Pit- used to run into that channel, but that wasn't to score goals. That was to turn back and join the game up. Exactly. No, exactly. Join at the play. And now City have turned that into the, the position of maximum but danger. But why has nobody stopped that, though? Why has you nobody seen... How can you stop that? Well, How can you stop it? But the job of the manager and the coach and the tactical teams, and these guys have like a 400-team uh, a group of analysts who are on their yep. laptops during the games, and no one's gone, could put a bloke in there. Stop that pass. No one's come up with anything. They've not reinvented the wheel here. They've created a tactic and no one has reacted to it. You watch that first goal for Manchester City. You've got Aaron Cresswell for West Ham and you can see Carl Walker's on the overlap on the outside. You can see the run. He doesn't look at his other cent- centre after his right and say, come this way, I've got a move. He doesn't say to Anderson in front of him, track him. They just sort of go, oh, well, he's running now. That's 1-0. The, the only thing I can... And if I delve back into the, into the history of football and take out some black and white pictures, it has occurred to me occasionally, Chris, that to stop Manchester City doing that in the you you might have to risk losing all the benefits of the high press and defending high at the pitch which people like nowadays and play a sweeper in theory they could be able to see that play and get across but of course you end up against Man City playing on the edge of your own six yard box won't you <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what's going to happen yeah exactly they'll no, press you... you back further and further and further I think you just got to give give them credit you know as a, as a player the work that he puts in uh, behind the scenes the, the, the confidence his managers put in him to play and, and, and use Use them the way that they do. It's uh, as it's remarkable the the, the, the progression yeah. that he's. That he's this that is he's Sterling's season right now. We are living in Raheem Sterling's season. This is the I, pinnacle I of his career well, over the next twelve to eighteen because, months. I think because you know last year I was really. I mean, obviously the the gap between Liverpool and Manchester City was nothing. Um, the one point, you know, ridiculous thing that Liverpool didn't win the title with ninety seven points. Equally, um, the, I was pleased that defender won, but Virgil Van Dijk was Footballer of the Year. But in any other normal year, Raheem yeah. Sterling would have been Footballer of the Year. Now the big danger for him this year, if he plays, keep playing like this, is that Kevin De Bruyne will be so good that people be voting for him as well because. <laughs> yeah. He's back from proper from that injury. It's taken a little while, and of course he's had the preseason. That run across the back four, where he beats the two men to open up. There's at least three Manchester City players now running into that channel. In fact, it's going to be get worn out like a cricket pitch. <laughs> There'll be a gouge in the pitch where the City players have run to that spot, and it leads to one of the goals. Um, Billy Sharp, we've already mentioned as a, as a possible hero. There's been, been quite a lot uh, this week. And I should make, say, make the point as well that Paul Pogba was getting absolute oh. pelters over on TalkSport for his first half performance. Yeah. But that pass with the outside of his foot for one of Manchester United's yeah, goals. but he's a bit part player, isn't he? he is, he'll do a phenomenal thing for a moment, then he won't turn up for the entire game. I think he's a perfectly great beach volleyball player. It'd be amazing. Like He has those wonderful moments you're, where... You're now imagining him in a thong. Uh, I always <laughs> imagine everyone in a thong. It, it okay. really relaxes me in meetings. Yeah. Well, like, what's it, beach football? Is it football? What do they call it, the beach football? Something oh, yeah. like oh, that. Yes, it's that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. Where you've got four players in the team and you've got this guy below. Every time we put the ball towards him, it'll be a bicycle kick or he can show it on his thigh and he'll knock it over somebody, catch it on his head and score. It'd be amazing at that but if you want someone to track a runner he's not your guy well to be fair he's done that second half 
He done it. Where was he first off? Yeah, well, exactly. Mason Mount was running past him, just scratching his backside. I think that's what's important about the the Manchester United result. Tom, if you if you don't if a player doesn't have certain things in his locker, um, it's very hard to to knock them. He may have a whole locker full of thongs for all I know. It's very lilac seems to be his favourite colour. Um, it seems incredibly hard to knock it into them. He is not a he's built like what we think a natural defensive midfielder should look like, Mm. but he's not that player. Can I nominate someone else from that game? I know you covered the game today, Chris, and there's a player in it that I thought was fantastic uh, and the reason I thought he was so good I was reading the Times this morning and Graham Souness in the Times of course Sky Pundit and he was talking about how Marcus Rashford would still be a bit part player at this age and any other squad in Manchester United history citing the Fergie years mm-hmm. and that he's not ready to play up front I thought Marcus Rashford was absolutely fantastic across the game uh, of course he played on the wing a bit played up front a bit moved around a bit yep. but that penalty firstly English people know how to take penalties. World, take note. Yeah. Everyone I knows thought that, he yeah. was fantastic. The nerves, the finishing, everything about him was brilliant. Even the and he goal. is ready to lead that line, I think. No, I think he is. I think he is, and he's, uh, he, he's demanding that. I think the, the performance today, he grew into the match. Uh, and uh, getting the goal, of course, that, that changed the whole, the whole United performance. I think the second goal, fantastic run. Great ball in from Pogba outside, but the touch and the finish, it was so composed. And he's ready. 100% ready. I, I'm not convinced. I'm oh. not convinced that he's, that he's a centre-forward. I love his pace, and I, I mean clearly he has a load of great things going on for him. We'll see how the season unfolds, because today, let's be honest, everything in a game that was very close for a long time that could go right for Manchester United went right. By which I mean, think about Daniel James, who mm. might also be a, a, a hero here. Yeah. He made an absolute sow's ear, a he made a pig's bunion, whatever the phrase is now, out of the first chance. <laughs> I have never heard pig's bunion, but no, I no. love it. No, I'm moving forward with that. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to copyright that. There's so much else here on the program. Um, and it, it, his first it's an air shot for his first thing. But the, by that time, Chelsea had so given up the ghost, they just let him have another go, and he scored with it. It's just one of those days for Manchester United and their players. I'm I'm really surprised, Danny, that you you think that Rashford isn't ready. Can I'll, I'll put it back yeah. to the likes of Harry Kane mm-hmm. when Soldado's having a half. Uh, an average season was Harry Kane ready for that? That that that. Well, actually, the, the thing that's that's that kept um, Harry out of the team when he was suddenly ready was Adebayo. Um, yeah. I remember putting on Twitter a picture of a man facing into the corner of a room with a massive dunce's hat, and I said, "This is Pochettino." Um, every one of us could see from the League Cup games and the Europa the Europa League games that Harry Kane was a mile better already than Adebayor. I suspect that Adebayor's gigantic wage packet may have had yeah. something to do with his continued selection. But Harry was ready. No, Rashford is already a very fine player. I'm not sure he's a centre forward. That's all. Yeah, and I mean, you know. It's very hard, isn't it? Lukaku's problem was that he's no good, particularly when he's back to the goal. He's not good at joining up. Marcus, his pace kills teams going forward. Are they complete centre-forwards of the kind that a club of Manchester United stature would normally have or require? I'm not sure that's the case. But but he has plenty of time to prove me wrong because um, you know I'm thinking back to Thierry Henry. There were moments when I thought, is this really real that he's now a central striker? About a thousand goals later and eighty-five defeats of Tottenham. I thought, yeah, he's, he's doing it now. He's ready. Who who should we pick for? This is very important because it goes into the very first copy of the record book. You'll see on social media how the record book is going to be hand assembled, um, stuck down with Prit. Other glues are available, and I'm going to hand write the winners. And Chris is going to sign it to say, you know, to witness <clears> that <throat> this is real. So it's very important we pick for our hero of the week. Um, I mean, we've had lots of arguments. What do you? Uh, where do you want to go with this? 
Yeah, I think I think we've got to give him the, the credit that's that it's true. I think Raheem Sterling, I think it is going to be his season. I think he could be the difference that takes the, the, the championship title. To, I think deserving say. of being stuck down with Pritt has got to be Raheem Sterling. Got to be. For the first time, and maybe the last time in the whole series, we've got 38 of these programmes to make of these podcasts. Um, we are in absolute agreement. Raheem Sterling um, is right. So well done uh, with that one. Game day, the record book. It's Rashford for United. Edge oh, of the box great. goes down. Now, what's the decision? It's a penalty. Anthony Taylor points to the spot. Oh. Zuma's just—it's a, it's a reckless challenge. He's tried to—he's tried to kind of cover that distance. Rashford, Rashford's cut back. He's messed the ball all together, and he's took uh, Rashford standing foot. First red card of the season. A challenge on halfway by Morgan Schneiderlin earns him a second yellow. Two lemons make a strawberry. Schneiderlin's off for the challenge on MacArthur. By the way, Danton, he's a massive lemon as well. Wonder whether or not the right glute of the defender has played him on. It has, it is a goal, and it is Valbuena who has played Raheem Sterling onside with his backside. Who has been the villain of the week? Now, we were going to, VAR was going to be nominated here, but you've already shot that bolt for us. Yeah, no problem. Oh, there's a lot more VAR. There's a lot more VAR we could do. People People are still annoyed that Raheem Sterling proven offside. Uh, was given offside, so maybe that could be in there. The problem with that is, and I noticed Gary Lineker has picked up on the bang, the drum I've been banging over on Talk Sport for the past three months, is that this thing about offside, the the officials have decided it is a it's a matter of fact, black or white. That is smokescreen. That is not true. And here's why, for people listening to me for the first time about this sort of thing, when you kick a football, you don't just toe-end it, and the moment you make contact, the ball pings away. If you watch it in slow motion, the foot goes into the football, the football surrounds the foot as it collapses in, and then it pings outwards. When exactly is the ball being kicked? If you're going to start measuring people's upper shoulder and bicep to millimetres, you better know damn well, given the the laws of the game that are currently written, you better know damn well when the ball has left the foot of the attacker. And they haven't a clue, have they? They're Why don't making they have a it clue? up. You can clearly see when the ball is released from you the can't. foot. You can see it. Of course you can. Just because there's air in the ball and the foot itself pushes the air from the ball and the ball ever so slightly becomes more oval, you can clearly see when there is daylight between foot and ball and that is when you say right is he offside. And Raheem Sterling for the first goal disallowed was offside. This part of his body that was offside, the left armpit or whatever you want to call it, that if the ball hits that and goes in, it's a goal. Thereby, it's a part of the body that can play the ball. And if it's offside when the ball is played forward, and we can prove beyond reasonable doubts, my lord. Yeah, it's the can, reasonable can, doubt can, part can, of it, isn't it? If we can see that sweet would, would you have given him offside? offside? I wouldn't have given him offside for that. Uh, no, no, it, it is a close one. But like you say, it's black and white. If he if he puts it in with his shoulder, Dan. It's it's a goal, isn't it? So I mean, it's... look, and I, I'm, I'm look. I understand the, the laws as they are now, and uh, most of the laws in football have been to the um, betterment of the game. I still don't really understand why two of his teammates can be standing in what would be yeah. um, a massive offside positions. And here, I'm going to say it again. The reason is this. Now, I played football at a very, very high level, Chris, on Hackney Marshes, where I was absolutely useless. It's the altitude that makes it a high level. And I've, I played I played at the back. I'm tall. I played at the back, right? And if somebody was loitering behind me, I adjusted my position accordingly on the off chance that the ball would come to, between the two of us. 
So if you're in an offside position, they say he's not interfering with play. You are interfering with play. The defenders are adjusting their position over and over again. I'm sure you loitered all the time. That's all I did. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and now, of course, you're big enough for, to be in my peripheral vision. So I'm moving to my left. Oh, God, he's behind me. I moved to my left. I don't get it. I, I, I would prefer, and it's not going to happen. No. I would prefer if they went back to the day when any of you lot in that line are offside. However, that, that's, a, that's a whole other conversation I'm more than happy to have about what the offside rule is. The rules mm. as they are, the implementation as it is, everything VAR did this weekend was absolutely right. And I would put into villain, villains of the weekend, anybody has ever said the phrase, we just need to get decisions right. Anyone has said consistency is what we're looking for. Those people are villains who are now saying, well, hold on a minute. How are we giving things at a millimetre offside? Because we're getting consistency and decisions uh, right. And so those yeah, people I, are the villains. I have to come in here. So I, I'm, doing a, I'm doing the referees course, uh, as you've probably... You've what prob- don't you do? Do you sleep? As, as, you, as you've probably read. Can you come now, around and paint my house? Now, <laughs> <laughs> I can't actually do properly <laughs> stuff. It's another one of the skills. But what I will say is, uh, and it was quite interesting, and we see a lot of inconsistencies because even though it's a letter of the law, the referees are allowed to make decisions in the spirit of the game. So even if it says black and white, he gets a yellow card for this, the referee can decide not to pr- produce that yellow card because it's cast as a, a spirit of the game decision. And this is and I, and, I asked, and I asked on this course, I asked the question, I said, well, wait a minute, you said in the firing line already, why are you making it harder for yourself? Yeah. I mean, we are wary, Tom, with regard to the laws, like offside, we are in the position that American football was in 25 years ago when, when the television pictures started to demonstrate... Um, you know, that uh, what was happening in slow motion. And they started to have the replay system that we now are getting, we're very used to in rugby and tennis and cricket. Mm-hmm. My God, that first Ashes test was run by review decisions, wasn't it? Um, run and won indeed by them. Um, the fact of the matter is our laws will be changed radically by VAR. We, they, they will have to be able to, the laws will have to be um, adjusted to deal with slow motion replays, multi-angle replays that VAR will insist on. Now, look, I, I, I'm glad they've started the VAR, and it would have taken five years otherwise. We say we're going to re- rerun all the rules in order to get them right. We will get them right, and this offside thing will probably change as well. Um, so I, I'm all for VAR. Uh, Chris, I won't like to hear this. I see it as a stepping stone to removing referees from the game. Mm. I, I'm sick of these blokes making decisions. Um, <laughs> Champions League final. I'm sick of these blokes making decisions. They might win the it. Get back home now. Put it on your VHS. Mm. Brought down the market. Uh, they yeah. might win it. I, I mean, it's. it's it, it, I, I know it sounds nuts to get the referees out of it, but here's here's how bad it got. Once in in the last five years, we start to see everything in multi-angle slow motion. And how many games were being decided by referees making poor decisions? Mm. Not corrupt, but just poor decisions. You know what? It actually started to make me doubt all the games I saw in the 1970s, 80s, even into the 90s before television took over, thinking, was that game really decided by a piece of brilliance or a defensive error? Or was it the bloke, uh, often a fat bloke, in a black (laughs) uniform saying, no, that's offside, no, that's a goal. I I genuinely have lost sleep over this. That Everything I believed is wrong. We're not doing any any of the players. No, we're not, are we? To we be, should... That's fine. That's but, fine. To be fair, though, we could put in a whole bunch of players for Villains of the Weekend. There is one Villain of the Weekend. It has to be VR, doesn't it? I mean, is anyone... If that goes on to the vote here, is anyone not going to vote for it? Even but though I'm in favour... But it's been very successful this weekend, it's hasn't it? It's been successful, but for the, the not, general not, not populace... Not for the Wolves fans, I'm For honest. the populace no. listening, 
for the populace listening, the, the listening millions, they are all going to remember this weekend. If we write this record book this weekend and don't write VAR in there somewhere, I don't mind if you want to put an asterisk in yep. for Tom Doesn't Agree, because I've lost every other one in so far no, on no. the show. Well, I, 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 I hear your VAR and I raise you Morgan Snydell in. <laughs> uh, because here is a player who, at one stage, we were talking about being, you know, one of the dominant players in the Premier League who has gradually let it drift away for whatever reasons. And I think he was a brilliant player when he first when he was at Southampton. Um, but to watch him getting sent off today, oh, sorry, yesterday, because he didn't like a decision and then to take it out on the football pitch. I mean, I suppose you could argue, I mean, is there been, ever been a more clear example, short, short of taking out some kind of billiard ball in a sock and belting the referee around the side of the head. Has it ever been more obvious dissent against a decision? What an idiot! No, I totally agree. Totally agree. Well, I've got to, I've got to kind of raise you there. Uh, oh, oh, here we go. I've got to go Kurt Zuma. I think, again, I get Chelsea started excellently. Uh, Tammy Abraham off the post. And it's just, he, he nearly gave a goal away just before the penalty kick, but it was a rash, rash tackle. You know, and I think uh, he tried to play it from the back. He was a little bit rash. Uh, and cuts him over the experience he's got as well. He, he, he was he was he was the liability today. Well, that question that brings up the question, doesn't it? Is he good enough for the top six teams in the Premier League? No chance. You don't let someone go out on loan for two straight seasons and then bring him back when you're in desperate measures to play him in a game like this. He's not going to be their lead central defender if they could buy any other players in. If David Luiz didn't throw a hissy fit in desperate need to be in the same team as Matteo Guendouzi just to so, annoy oh, commentators everywhere, uh, and get, blissful. Yeah, the hair bear bunch, as Arsenal must now be called, yeah. <laughs> if that didn't happen, then he wouldn't be in the team today. He's in it by default. He is not good enough to play for Chelsea. He wasn't even good enough to play for Everton. I tell you what, though, um, Antonio Rudiger must have been having a slight... How great does he look now? He is like Cannavaro now in people's minds. Yeah, bring him back. No, I agree with you, Chris. At one stage in the second half, I thought Kurt Zuma was going to get out one of those signs that lollipop ladies have, saying, please cross now, (laughs) (laughs) because he wasn't doing anything about the the balls coming into the box. His position was so bad. But I think he... You know, I, I, one he- hesitates to use these phrases because these are human beings and, pr- and professionals as well. Uh, the thing had broken down for Chelsea by the end. Yeah. They played some very sweet football in the first half. First I 25 thought. minutes, I thought they were very, very good. But the really impressed st- by Mason Mount. He was great. Yeah. I think it's so important when you're on top. You have to be clinical, yeah. uh, and a little bit of luck. He could have been two 0 up as well before. Before, and, and there's no two centre halves in the entire Premier League at the, who won't benefit from N'Golo Kante being in front of them, and they, mm. they lacked that again yes. today. But, as but well. on Zuma, it was similar to Issa Diop as well in the West Ham game. When someone is running at you, I, I don't get this. And again, I only played at altitude when it comes to high level, same as Danny. I didn't play at the same level as you, but it frustrates me when someone's running at you, the ball has gone, and they still try and make the tackle. It was almost kind of like Zuma today. He's gone. Well, I'll take him anyway. And I don't get that and I won't forgive it because these are multi-millionaire professionals. Your job is don't dive in. What's the, what's the work, what got screamed at you over the marshes when you were playing continually? Don't dive in and also start running. Uh, those yeah. two things. Danny, you know. we're playing that way. Yeah, yeah. Danny, wrong pitch. <laughs> um, and a late Stop entry. talking to that robot referee. A le- oh, I'd love it if it was just that spider cam thing referee in the <laughs> matches. <laughs> um, a late entrance here. Um, obviously, Connor Hurahan, um, who wants to be called Connor Howrahan these days. Um, somebody put up a tweet that they put up in 2000. Hi, Craig. I remember uh, this tweet back in 2014, um, says uh, Connor Harahan. It says, quote, this is, from, this is from Craig Taylor. Connor Harahan 
Good article, mate. You're our girl's best player, kid. No danger. Premier League, there's ambitions and then there's reality. And there is Connor playing in the Premier League and deservedly so, albeit um, in a defeat for Aston Villa that looked very much in doubt for a long, long time. Where are we going for this uh, for this zero of the week? I think I think you you say VAR um, and, <clears throat> and and, and, and uh, uh, there's no reason to think that's not right. I still think um, seeing a grown man punch a football pitch four times um, gives Morgan Schneidlin a, a decent chance. I'm going to leave it. To, Tom, in, in I was going to say that I once saw Igor Stimac do that for West Ham uh, against Tottenham in the FA Cup quarterfinal 1999. I was sitting in the old East stand and he went up for a corner, Igor, totally missed the header and he was the, the most important central defender. He went to the ground and he was like, damn, damn, punching the ground. While he's punching the ground, yeah. Spurs broke and scored. Yeah. And that was the goal that knocked us out of the FA Cup while our best centre-half was punching the ground in frustration. So I kind of am leaning towards Schneiderlin. Chris, I'll leave it to you. VAR or Igor, oh, sorry, not Igor Stimac. Or Igor Stimac. <laughs> Morgan Schneiderlin. <laughs> They'll freak people out when they look at this book in a it's few years. It's important, Chris, because it's the first, yeah, the first you know what? And I think it's, anti-hero to go I into think, the record book. I think you look at you look at VAR in the Premier League first first weekend. We're all talking about it, aren't we? Uh, positives and negatives. The decisions, probably at the end, are the right decisions. The Dedonka one, you know, that's the rule of the game. I have to accept that and swallow hard. Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm You're waffling. I'm, He's waffling yeah. here. Come on. I've got no to, repetition. I've got, no I've, waffling. I've got to see VR. I think. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna change. Let you see the rules massively in the game uh, for the better. Yeah. Albeit that. So uh, yeah, I've got to see VR. There you are, and a late victory for Tom Rennie there. It's not competitive. We're all friends here on the Record Book Podcast. With us, you've been listening to me, Danny Kelly, uh, Tom Rennie, and Chris Uwellamo. Don't forget, again, that you can find the podcast very easily. Just search for Game Day at Acast, at Spotify, at Apple iTunes, or any of those fantastic places you get your podcasts from. You can also hear it uh, as a programme on the Talk Sport 2 uh, part of the TalkSport network. And I just want to say a massive thanks to Tom and Chris for making this first version of the record book already award-winning. And I want to thank all of you for starting to contribute to a gang, and we will be a gang, and a club who will one, be, one day be known as the record book listing millions. Cheers now. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channel Eyes Bingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.